everybody, welcome to Mogul Talk with Darcel Laurie, where success is just a byproduct of who we are. It's your girl, your host, Darcel, where every week I'll be bringing you a mogul minute of inspiration, new topics, and surprise guests. Stay tuned. It's time for your mogul minute of inspiration. Can I get a drum roll, please? And today's Mogul Minute of Inspiration is coming from the Bible, Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to say that again. Mark 12, verse 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The reason why I had to go Bible on you guys today, well, one, if this is your first time here, um, I just want you to know that I am unapologetically a Christian, but I love everybody. So whether you're a Christian or not, you can still listen. But also, if you've been here before, you know that I always drop some Bible verses. And I think that this is really um, this particular verse. um, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. One, you can only love people to the extent that you love yourself. So if you don't really love yourself, you're not really going to love people that well either. And I think that it's so important for us to do the inward work so that way we can love ourselves and we can see ourselves to the highest esteem. So that way we can be able to love other people effectively. Right. And I think in the times that we are in with a global pandemic called COVID-19, with unemployment at an all time high, with racial injustice, right, and racism, right, that is ongoing for centuries, There's so much of a need for us to love one another, right? Love one another as you love yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And loving someone else means loving people who don't look like you, loving your enemies, loving uh, people in your family, loving your friends, loving your circle, but also loving people that you've never met and making sure that you don't have necessarily racial biases or, um, any prejudices towards another person, judging them by their socioeconomic status, judging them by their color, whatever it is. No, we're commanded to love. Especially if you call yourself a Christian, you are commanded to love. And even when I listen to other religions, they also know that we are commanded to love. And so I just really want you to know that the way that this world is gonna get to a place, a healthy place, is when we start loving, when we start doing the inward work and start loving ourselves to the highest esteem so that way we can love someone else effectively that is where we need to start looking inwardly so we can love outwardly and that was your mogul minute of inspiration now welcome back to another episode of mogul talk with darcel Lari. it's your girl darcel and today we're going to talk about um clearly what everyone is talking about and that is racism um, before you say, oh, oh, no, I don't want to talk about this. I've heard enough. I want you to just take some time to be able to listen and just really um, hear what I have been experiencing, but also what I think are going to be some key things to getting us to a place um, where we are in solidarity, where we are um, loving one another, and where we are um, truly learning to listen and to understand one another. So that's really what I want to focus on today. 
And so let's just get into it. Um, how have I been? Um, I took a couple weeks off because there was so much going on um, and just death after death uh, with police brutality and racism. And that is exhausting. It honestly is very overwhelming when you see video after video, when you see injustice after injustice, and that becomes a lot. And so I just wanted to, one, be sensitive to what was happening in our world um, and not necessarily record at the moment. But also, I needed to really get my own emotions in order because I felt like I felt very overwhelmed um, just to be just to be uh, blunt with it. I felt very overwhelmed. I felt very heavy, you know, Um, and I just felt like, you know, we got to get to a place where we love one another. We got to people have to do the work. And we and I just think as a person of color, I am both black and Hispanic. Um, I just don't get that people don't get it. And I understand that sometimes, you know, white supremacy is so ingrained in our culture, so ingrained in our America that sometimes it is hard for people to get it. But if it's hard for you to get it, whether you're Hispanic and you're not black and it's hard for you to get it, whether you're white and you're not black and it's hard for you to get it, whether you're Asian and it's, you know, not it's hard for you to uh, get it. I think it's important for us to educate ourselves and I think just really love one another. And I will talk more about that in a second. But, you know, after I've seen the marches, after I've seen every color marching, right, you know, whether they're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, old, young, that is so beautiful to me. And um, I actually went out, um, you know, to the march. And prior to going to the march, I actually went for a jog. And I said, you know what, let me get, you know, get my jog on and a lot of people were heading the jog trail was pretty clear um because a lot of people were headed to the march and so I um was getting my workout in and um I run into this lady and she is such a beautiful spirit and she was this older lady she's 80 years old and she was walking with a sign that said um being black is not a crime And she's a white, older woman, um, clearly old enough that she lived in in the era of segregated schools, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I literally just looked at her and I'm just like, she gives me hope. She literally was the start. She was the turning point for me where I'm like, you know what? There are people out here that care and that are trying to get it, even though they never know what it's like to be black, they're at least trying to get it. And they're standing in solidarity with, um, you know, our black brothers and sisters. And so that was such a beautiful moment for me. Like I will forever cherish, you know, her. And then, so I I actually said, you know what, I'm gonna stop her and ask her if I could take a picture of her because I wanted to share her on my social media and just really show people that there are out, there are people out here that care. And even her growing up in the era of segregation, uh, I really wanted to show, uh, just show and highlight her. And 
So basically, um, her name is Miss Diane, and we got the talking, we got the crying, right? We started crying, we started talking, and even in the midst of COVID-19, we actually hugged each other. And I know that everybody's like, don't touch each other, you're putting each other at risk. But because it was such an emotional moment and she was crying, I also wanted to comfort her. And I asked her, is it okay to hug her? And she said, yes. And so we even just embraced one another. And she just said that she was, she grew up being a teacher. Like that was her profession was a teacher. And she said, I just want you to know that I always taught my kids the right thing. I always taught them to love people who don't look like you. And she says, this is wrong. And I want you to know that I understand that this is wrong and I don't agree with anything that's going on. And so that is just such a beautiful thing that was so encouraging to me. And so when I stopped her, other people wanted to, other black people wanted to take pictures of her. They said thank you to her. They applauded her. And this 80-year-old woman left feeling so encouraged. And she said, I hope I'm doing enough. And I said, you are doing more than enough. You're in a, you're 80 years old, walking with your sign. Someone could harm you or hurt you. But the fact that she was walking so boldly and so proudly, um, it just goes to show you that you can never not do enough, right? In the sense of where, oh, I don't know about going to the marches. Or I don't know about this or I don't know about that. I just want to let you know that 80-year-old Miss Diane, white woman, went to the march and held her sign and that was the turning point for me. It doesn't mean that I'm still not overwhelmed. It doesn't mean that I'm still not frustrated. It doesn't mean that I still don't feel the burden, right? That racism and how racism has affected my black brothers and sisters and how it affects, you know, me as a person, you know, thinking even to myself, like times where, you know, I'm on this, in, in this part of town where no one looks like me and, you know, I see a cop and I'm like, please God, not today, not today, right? The fact that I have this fear when I shouldn't have fear, right? Because to my white brothers and sisters, you don't necessarily have that same fear, right? You don't have that fear or that question of whether I'm going home or not, right? If you get pulled over, it may be a ticket. Maybe you could talk yourself out of a ticket. But for um, a black person, that could be life or death, right? And so it's just, it's so, it's those moments that I'm like, wow, I don't want to feel that way towards my cops, right? Because cops are here to protect and serve. And unfortunately, we do have some cops. And it's more than just a few bad apples, right? There are some cops, a great, uh, a nice amount of them that are in every single city that are specifically having prejudice and racial bias and are too trigger happy. Where versus doing necessary protocol, they're actually murdering black people. And I don't think every cop is a bad cop. I do think we have some wonderful cops out there and I applaud you for protecting and serving our city, our country, right, our states, right? And all those types of things. I love those people who are doing their job correctly. But those who are not doing their job correctly, that's where this burden of racism and this constant feeling of not another one, not another brother, not another father, not another aunt, not another mother, right? So just thinking about um, someone's son, right? Or someone's daughter. Like we don't want to have to keep burying our family members due to police brutality. And so that's really been so heavy on my heart. But seeing people like Miss Diane and watching the marches and saying, wow, people of all different colors. Um, I went out to the march with my um, church, actually. And we 
um, you know, we just prayed. We honestly just um, came together and we just prayed um, during the march. And I just am so grateful for, you know, my church family because we're such a diverse church. But a diverse church doesn't mean that everyone there um, is, is in solidarity with you. But what I will say is that I have a pastor who is white, by the way, and he is leading with such transparency. He's leading with um, such a, a humble um a, a posture where he is literally saying, Lord, forgive me if I have any wrong way in me, meaning himself. And he's literally calling and calling out racism. He's, stand, he's making sure that he's not silent, which now trickles down to my white brothers and sisters within my congregation, within my church, that now they're making sure that they're not silent and that they're not, that they're speaking up against it. So when I say that, even though I'm overwhelmed, I'm still very hopeful, hopeful because I see my pastor, hopeful because I see my white brothers and sisters in my church, hopeful because I see a Miss Diane who's marching at 80 years old, hopeful because I see the diversity, the the sea of people who are marching in solidarity uh, and marching against racism and police brutality. So when I see that, that really warms my heart. And, you know, I know there's this whole thing of, you know, why do black lives matter? Is it just, why can't we just say all lives matter? And the fact that we have to debate that, that is for a black person or for a person of color or specifically a black person, we don't understand why that doesn't make sense. When you say, if you say black lives matter, then that means that all lives matter, right? And the reason why we have to say black lives matter is because all lives don't matter. If you're white, you get up, you get away with different things, um, with a lot of things that black people don't get away with. You know, you don't have the same concerns. It doesn't mean as a white person, please hear me. Um, it doesn't mean um, that you don't struggle in life. It doesn't mean that you don't go through things in life. It doesn't mean that I, as your sister, I wouldn't pray for you, right? Um, of anything, that, whether it's grief or loss or anything like, like that that you're going through. Um, but do know that our black brothers and sisters are not treated equally to you. And until we are treated equally to you, we have to say black lives matter. Why? Because we do want all lives to matter. And until a black life matters, all lives don't matter. Right. And so we have to get to that point where we realize that we have black brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are dying. Okay. Who are seen almost as in like less than a human. Right. And so that is so important for us to realize that so many black people have so many stories. And I um, just listened to this panel that my church held about so many different people from all different ages who the first time they heard the N word or as a racial slur was at the age of five. Are you kidding me? A five year old heard a racial slur. Right. Or the first time that they, you know, heard someone judge them by the texture of their hair was when they were around middle school and it made them feel ugly. It made them feel like they weren't enough. There's so many racial biases. There's so many underlying things that causes black people to feel like they're not enough. And then 
even beyond that, the system and police brutality makes us see in certain certain people's eyes that we are not enough in their eyes. But God has created us all equal. God created us all in his image. God, when he created, you know, creation, he didn't create just white people. He didn't create just Asian people. He didn't create just black people or just Hispanic people. He created all different types of beautiful hues, beautiful colors. He all different types of ethnicities and races. He created us all to love one another. And so that's the reason why my mogul minute really was um, highlighting Mark 12, 31. Because when we say that we're Christian, you can't be Christian and you don't love your neighbor. You don't love your black man, your brother or sister. If you don't love people who don't look like you, you are failing at the greatest commandment that God commands us. Okay, so I just really wanna make sure that that part is said. But I wanna also give us some hope. I really want to encourage us to say, okay, okay, Darcel, I hear you. So you're saying racism exists. You're saying Black Lives Matter. You're saying that you're overwhelmed, but you're hopeful. You're saying that we have to love each other. So what do I do now? Like I hear my Black brothers and sisters crying out. You know, maybe you're a white person listening and you're saying, you know, I don't know what to do. And I've gotten that question so many times from white friends just saying, I don't know what to do. Like, what should I do to ourselves? I don't know whether to post. I don't know whether to offend people. I don't know what to say. And so my first point on what to do and how we can respond to racism and police brutality against our black brothers and sisters is say something. So if you don't know what to do, my first command or my first Um, thing that I would like to urge you to do is say something, even if you don't get it absolutely right. You know, maybe check in with your black friends and say, hey, I'm about to post this. What do you think about it? Right? Like say something. Your silence is agreement at this point. You cannot be a part of a global pandemic and talk about COVID-19 and wear your mask and all these types of things and be so concerned about COVID-19, which that is still a real thing. We still are a part of a global pandemic right now. But the other global pandemic is racism and you're silent on that. And let me also speak to those people who wanna highlight only the looters and rioters, but you don't say nothing else on your social media about Black Lives Matter. You didn't even post a black square. Some people probably know who I'm talking about, but that's okay. I'm not going to call anybody out. But those people who talk about specifically, oh my gosh, I can't stand the looting and rioting. Yes, all of us know that if we have any morals, we're not going to necessarily loot or or, um, riot, right? Or like put buildings on fire and all those types of things. We understand that part. But what we also have to understand is that the first person or the first group of people to bomb, to loot, to riot, to throw, set things on fire was white people. Not all my white brothers and sisters, because some of you are listening. We're talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma. When the first black Wall Street was built and us black people were finally getting a leg up. We were finally doing something that because we had slavery, we had segregation, we had, um, you know, all different types of things. And we're finally getting a leg up. What you know what happens? We're being so profitable. 
we are all, this beautiful array of black black owned businesses bringing in millions of dollars and finally doing something for our own community for our own children for our own households and what happens white people specifically white rioters white racists bomb it light it on fire loot it destroy it and burnt it to the ground so when we talk about looters and rioters we have to know our history we can't just say oh protesters are the ones that are ruining the protest no there are there are also people called agitators there are people that specifically plan to come to a protest near the end of the protest and start causing a ruckus but the biggest thing that i want people to understand is I understand that looting and rioting is wrong, but we also have to understand when Colin Kaepernick took a silent knee, did not bother anybody, didn't didn't do anything necessarily outrageous, right? Just taking a knee for police brutality during the American flag. When he did that, he wasn't disrespecting the flag. Actually, it was a, a, a person in the military who encouraged him to do so. Um, and said that would be the best way to go about it. So he actually got advice from somebody who was in the military who encouraged him to to take a knee. And so he took a knee and people, they blackballed him and he still doesn't have a job back in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. But when we are silent, I'm sorry, but our, our government doesn't listen to us. And I'm not saying that it's right to loot or to riot. But when we are silent, nothing happens. When we cause, when we cause you or force you to listen because we are burning things up, that's when sometimes, unfortunately, change happens. But when we sign these petitions, no one listens. At, when we're not writing and things like that, like if it's not in conjunction we I've signed so many petitions and sometimes our government doesn't listen. Colin Kaepernick took a knee, our, uh, a knee, our government didn't listen. And so I'm not saying that I condone looting and rioting, but I will say that it's unfortunate that we have to even get to that point in order for people to listen because enough is enough. And so just like we we care about the, the businesses, we need to care about black lives. So I will say that. And um, so it's important for us to not just speak on one issue, but we diminish the other. I saw people so passionate about looting and rioting and posting that I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Of course we don't. But you know what more so I don't agree with? Black lives dying. Why don't you post about that? And they're silent. They don't post nothing about it. That outrages me. Like that really causes me, that brings me to an outrage because I'm like, you are so bold in, in your stance about that, but you are not, you are clearly not in solidarity because you're not bold about saying enough is enough when it comes to black lives so when it comes to that nah sis nah bro have several seats if you're not speaking up for us then i know where i know where you stand and so that really um when i say that say something 
You have to, sh- you, everybody has a platform, whether you have a platform of two people, a platform of five people, a, plat- a platform of 20,000 people. Whatever your platform, whatever your sphere of influence is, call it out. You see in the boardroom, Maybe your CEO is using a racial slur. Maybe your CEO is talking down about black people. Call that out. Say, excuse me, I don't feel comfortable with um, anyone talking down about another race. And tell your HR department about it. Like, call it out. Don't stay silent because silence is agreement. You know, you're around hanging around your friends and people make black jokes call it out and say look that's not funny call it out behind closed doors call it out in front of people call it out you know you have to call it out and that's really what you know the first step of us getting to a place on how to respond to racism how to respond to police brutality police brutality is to make sure that we say something We can no longer be silent. There's lies being killed, being murdered. George Floyd had a knee on his neck and begged for them to allow him to breathe. And they and that police officer, the one specifically with the knee on his neck, did not let him breathe. He refused a human right, which is to breathe. That man called out for his mother that is deceased. And that cop did not get off his neck. So when we have, when we clearly see murder, when we clearly see something so inhumane, we cannot be silent. And this is a charge to my friends, my my, my white brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, my Hispanic brothers and sisters, my black brothers and sisters, we cannot be silent anymore. We can't say, oh, this is not a part of my brand on on Instagram. This is not part of my brand on TikTok. This is not part of my brand on Twitter. I'm sorry, racial injustice is a part of everyone's brand. Okay, so that's my part, my first thing on silence is agreement, so say something. The second thing I want to say is educate yourself. Yes, call your black friends, talk to them, but they are not your only resource. Stop draining all of your black friends because when we talk about racism, when we talk about George Floyd, when we talk about Ahmaud Arbery, when we talk about Breonna Taylor and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera, et cetera, because there's so many names When we talk about that, that drains life out of us. So when you call us for, you know, just wanting to be educated on certain things or for us to share, you know, maybe what we're experiencing, also make sure you're praying with us because you got to, the way we're pouring out, you have to pour back into us. Pour encouragement. Say, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. Pray for us. Educate yourself. And your form of education is not just your black friends. We just like you can educate yourself on the latest trends or educate yourself on how to shop online or educate yourself on how to start a podcast, educate yourself on relationships, educate yourself on finances, the way that you use YouTube University, Google ministry, whatever it is, Google, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, the way buying books off of Amazon, whatever it is, educate yourself. 
because your black friends are not your only form of education. And also all black people have different experiences. Some people have never had a white friend. Some people have had white friends. Some people have experienced the N-word. Some people haven't experienced the N-word. Some people have experienced police brutality and and a gun held to their head. Some people have not. We're not all the same. But what is the same is that we're judged by the color of our skin. And so educate yourself. There's so many resources out there. So just make sure that you find resources to use um, to educate yourself. The third thing I would like to say is act. So once you say something to stand up with us in solidarity, educate yourself. The third thing is to act on it. How do I act on it? By signing petitions, by attending the marches, by attending the rallies, by going, you know, attending virtual town hall meetings, because, you know, because we're still in a a COVID-19 global pandemic. So we may not be meeting in person for these town halls, so maybe virtual town halls and submitting your questions, right? To, To legislators, to police chiefs, um, to con- contacting your local government saying, hey, what are we doing about this? What are you doing about this? What are you doing? What laws can we get passed to be able to stop racism and, and police brutality in our city? Right. So talking to local government officials. And most importantly, just stand up against it. Make that a part of who you are. Some people like to say, oh, I'm not a racist. But saying I'm not a racist is not enough. You have to be anti-racist. If you think about as a parent, you know, uh, I like to consider myself a mama bear and I don't even have any children. I have a fur baby, but I have uh, seven nieces and nephews. If somebody would mess with them, you think I'm going to be silent? I'm going to say, what's your problem? What's wrong? Why are you picking on my niece? Why are you picking on my nephew? I'm going to speak up about it, right? And so the same way that you see someone that I would speak uh, uh, up about, you know, my nieces and nephews, I'm sure you would speak about your, your own children, right? Speak up against it. So the same way you would do that is the same way that you speak up and stand up against it when it comes to your black brothers and sisters. It's not enough to not say that you're not a racist. You have to be anti-racist, meaning you have to hate racism. You have to know that that is what we're attacking. That's the mission to remove it. Now, some of you may say, oh, that's unrealistic, Darcel. It's never it's never going to completely go away. But you know where it can go away with you. It can start with you. And you say, oh, Darcel, how dare you say, are you calling me a racist? No, I'm not calling you a racist. But we all have prejudices and we all have biases. What does that mean? When you see a black person, do you cross the street? When you see a black person, do you automatically think that they're up to no good? When you see a black person dressed in a hoodie, do you think they're about to rob you? Because that same black person that wears a hoodie can also wear a white coat and be your doctor. That same black person that is wearing a hoodie could be a professor in a college and could be an educator. And on their off day, they're wearing a hoodie. But do we have these racial biases that say black people are criminals? 
That's what you have to check. You have to look inside yourself and say, do I look at black people that way? Do I judge them? Do I think they're up to no good? That's what we call prejudices and racial biases. And guess what? It happens every single day. When we go to class, they think we're not smart enough to be there. When we're in our jobs, we're usually the minority, right? We're usually around a whole bunch of white people in our in our organizations where we work. But then there's only a, a few people who look like us. And I'm talking about in the larger, when we think about Silicon Valley, when we think about working for Google or Apple or whatever, those tech jobs, when we think about, you know, maybe working in STEM fields and things like that, when you look corporate America, when you look at people's boards, right, you see mainly an all white board with one black person just so that they don't look racist. That's what us black people say, see every single day. We see that one black person and we're like, man, why isn't there more of us? And so I just really want you to understand that the way that this America is set up, it's set up against the black person. Now, yes, do we get degrees? Yes, do we get PhDs? Yes, do we have successful businesses? Yes, are we entrepreneurs? Yes, are we mothers and fathers? Um, yes, do we own mansions? Yes, but still, even after all the black wealth that we've created, that includes Oprah, Diddy, all the famous black people, the, 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 um, the athletes, we're still, we still only have a small percentage of wealth compared to the white person. And so I want you to really understand that part. When we look at the bigger scale, don't just look at your one black successful black friend or two black successful black friends. Know that no matter how successful they get, they can still get pulled over and have their life taken because they are black. Because a cop is not going to care if they're a professor, a doctor, they're just going to see that they're black. So act on it, stand up against it and be anti-racist and check your own motives, your own prejudices, your own biases. And four, diversify your circle. Now it's time for you to check your own circle. Does all does my entire circle look like me? I need you to think about that. Does my entire circle, you know, um, think like me? Because if that is the case, then you are sadly missing out on the larger part of our, on, on, on a part of our problem, which is that we are not exposing ourselves to people who don't look like us. And the reason why some, some white cops are so easy to kill some black people is because they don't even have a black friend. They don't have any image of a black person in their mind that they can think of. If I take this life, this life, that's like killing, you know, my friend Ray Ray. If I kill him, that's like ki killing, you know, my friends, Lamar. They don't have an image in their minds of their black friend, their black cousin, their, um, you know, their black uh, fraternity brothers or, 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 sor or soror, right? They don't have someone in their minds to think of like, man, I shouldn't pull this trigger. 
And that's what we need to understand. The more that you diversify and expose yourself, the more that you start to break down those walls of hate, those walls of racial biases, those those walls of prejudices, and certainly that wall of racism. You have to diversify your circle and love people who don't look like you. Go out to dinner with people who don't look like you, not as a charity case, but truly to create friendships outside of the ones that just look like you and think like you. So diversify your circle. I know I posted on Instagram not too long ago and follow me at Darcel World. <laughs> um, and I posted even on my moguls and media uh, platform as well that a, a, a picture that I ran across when I was in my early 20s and just my friend's circle. And literally I had Hispanic, I had Asian, you know, I had black, I had everybody in my circle. And it was so beautiful to see from the lightest shade to the darkest shade on what my circle looked like. And most people, their circles don't look like that. And so I really need us to understand that if we want to change the world, it starts with us. It starts with our sphere of influence. It starts with our friends. It starts with our family, having those tough conversations and diversifying our circle. And last but not least, the way that we can attack racism, whether it's start whether it's you that you feel you feel like, hey, I may have some racist ways about me, I may have some racial biases with, about me, or you may be that person like I care so I I, I want to do something, I don't know what to do. The fifth thing that you can do is care. Care enough to love someone who doesn't look like you. Care enough to post um, about Black Lives Matter. Care enough to talk to your white friends. Care enough to talk to your family about this. Care enough to reach out to your local government. Care enough to participate in town halls. Care enough that the next time that you're in that board meeting, the next time that you're around your friends and they're making a black joke, the next time you hear someone um, bullying someone in, in line at the Target, whatever it is, care care enough to say enough is enough and stand up against it. It's not enough for you to say I have a black friend. That black friend needs to see your support and your support is where your mouth is. Your your support is where your post is. Your support is where your signature is. Your support is behind the closed doors that they would never see you in. That's where your black friends need you. I need you to understand that my, to my white brothers and sisters, I love you and I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. I don't even look at you as the enemy. I look at you as my, my brothers and sisters, but I want you to be able to look at me the same way. I want you to be able to look at my brother the same way. I want you to be able to look at my dad the same way. I want you to be able to look at my black brothers and sisters the same way because I have a black father. I have a black brother. I have black nieces and nephews. I want them to have a life, a full life and not have to experience anything that George Floyd, that Ahmaud Arbery, that Breonna Taylor experienced. I don't want them to have to experience that. I don't want to experience that. 
I don't want to be another hashtag. So I'm asking you to care because I love you, but I need you to love me back. And you may say, Darcel, I love you, but I need you to also spread the word to your white friends who may not love me. Talk to them, have real conversations with them, call them out on it because I need them to love me too. I need them to love my black brothers and sisters too. Because for me, it's personal because I have a black dad. I have a black father. I am black. I have black friends. I have people in my life that I love and I never want to look at a news story and see it be them. So care. Care enough to stand up, care enough to be bold, care enough to be the minority and say, you know, maybe no one else is speaking up, but guess what? I'm going to speak up. The grace of God will go with you when you speak up because God believes in believes in justice. God believes in us loving one another as we love ourselves. God created us all in his image. And it wasn't just one color that he created. It was all of us. And so our job here on earth is to show what the love of Christ looks like. And it's not through hate. It's not through police brutality. It's not through racial biases. It's not through racism. It's not through prejudices. And so I just want you to know that I stand with you, my black brothers and sisters. We're going to make it through this. We're going to continue fighting. We're going to continue speaking up. We're going to continue signing petitions. We're going to continue to march. We're going to continue to have conversations. We're going to continue to be so loud so that they have no, no choice but to listen. Don't grow weary in well-doing, my black brothers and sisters. Yes, we get overwhelmed, but know that when you cast your cares on God, he can take this burden of racism off of you. It doesn't mean you don't experience it. He can just help you carry the load. And then when you feel so weak, lean not onto your own understanding, Trust in God in all your ways and never depart from what he says, right? We will make it through this. So don't give up the fight. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue to fix your eyes on God. Continue to lean on your community. Continue to truly even find joy in each day. Yes, there's so much around us and so there's so much uh, ahead of us that we still have to fight, but continue to find joy in each day. Even if it's that, even if it's calling that one friend that you know you'll get a really good laugh out of and, and really just crack up and have a good time, whether it's, you know, taking a walk, whether it's reading your favorite book, Find ways to also escape a, just a little bit, just a little bit, not enough to, to, to deter you from the cause, but to escape just a little bit, even if it's 30 minutes, even if it's following a YouTube workout video, take some time to recharge as well, because we cannot pour from an empty cup. We need to make sure that we're filling ourselves up as much as we're pouring back out. 
So I just want to thank you so much for to each and every one of you who have listened to my white brothers and sisters, my black brothers and sisters, my Hispanic brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, my African brothers and sisters. I want you to know that I love everybody. I love all of you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I just want you to know that uh, I stand with you. And I want you to know that we're all in this together. And you will never have to doubt that Mogul Talk with Darcel Laurie believes in Black Lives Matter. So I love you and I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a good one. Now, don't forget to click the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. I'll be bringing you a new episode every week. Also, don't forget to follow your host, your girl, Darcel Laurie, on IG at Darcel World. And of course, you know I love hearing from you. So make sure that you send all your questions, topics, even guests that you would love to hear from at mobiletalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Mobile Talk with Darcel Laurie, where success is just a byproduct of who we are. Make sure to join us next week for another great episode. Until then, continue to talk and live like a mogul.